I am Roy Malloy and I am here with you on the Dawn of Crime, a podcast that's dedicated to creating the biographies of the people from our past who created that shifty element of undercurrent that is the law-abiding, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I want to say people like my guests, uh, a pair of good men who are, this could actually be the first time they've ever been called good men in their entire lives. I am joined by two of my favourite comedians, a stand-up comedian who is... Uh, Really one of those great character actors who plays himself called Maxwell Robin. Maxwell, greetings. G'day, how's it going? Oh my God, you still got problems with this sound. And also, this is going to be a long pod. And also I am uh, joined by repeat offender, comedian and all-round good cricket coach, Shane Gordon. Welcome, Mr. Shane. Thanks, Roy. The pleasure is all yours. (laughs) At this point in time, it is. Now, guys, I've got a cold. I sound awful. So every now and then I may need to go to mute so I can clear my throat. In which case, on this Zoom call, I will ask you a question. You get to answer it like this. How's the weather where you are, Shane? Yeah, beautiful. It's 25 degrees, sun shining. I was about to go to the beach. That'll do. I've cleared my throat. Now, we are going to be talking today about one of the more memorable characters in the cast of the life of Squizzy Taylor. But this is a fellow whose biography really is lost to us other than through the Underbelly series of Squizzy and really it didn't do it much justice. Now, Mr. Maxwell, if I say the name Squizzy Taylor, what do you think of? Uh, Gangsters, um, GTA, uh, and then I just kind of go off on a tangent thinking about video games. For those of you just joining us, Maxwell Robin is 23. And so to Maxwell, a lot of research and Google will go into why Squizzy Taylor wasn't privy to GTA. But Shane, what do you think of when you think of Grand Theft um, uh, Squizzy Taylor? <laughs> is that what? I don't know what GTA is. Grand Theft Auto. Uh, oh, okay. when, I think of, when I think of Squizzy, I think of smart suits, guns. And I, I imagine he's a, a little man. He was a little man. He was. And uh, just for those of you who haven't heard any of the previous pods, Shane Gordon, how tall do you stand? Five, seven on a good day. Well hydrated. Max Robin, how, how tall are you? Uh, five foot ten. I'm five so, eleven. I was six foot when I was younger and I had a spinal surgery. Now I'm five eleven. It's very sad for me. But Squizzy Taylor stood at five foot one. What, you that, that's like one and a half Shane Gordon's. That's the other way Shane wishes And um, Squizzy Taylor was a very small bloke Do you know how he died, Max? How did did Squizzy Taylor die? I'm guessing because he was so short Like maybe just in traffic Someone didn't see him Over the hood of their car Uh, Or as a car ornament I mean, we're talking kind of in the same vicinity As the uh, the, the lady on the front of the rolls But uh, Shane, how how do you feel Squizzy Taylor died? Uh, rival gang? Not not far from it. Rival individual. A fellow called Snowy Cutmore. Now, Snowy Cutmore was, uh, he was that, he was a psychopath as well. And when I say psychopath, I, I want to qualify that. Both of these men appeared to genuinely enjoy the task of hurting, maiming, or at the very least scaring other people. They also had a very, very, very poor tolerance for frustration and it was almost impossible to know where that hair thin line was that you were going to cross that pissed them off. 
So we're talking about uniquely dangerous people. The difference in the two of them is, first of all, Squizzy had a nickname that just, it resonated. People liked it. The media grabbed it. They never misspelled it. I mean, there's only so many. How would you misspell Squizzy? Be squeezy. Yeah. um, Yeah, I'd get a, might be get a W in there if possible. Whereas Snowy Cutmore, the, the media wrote him up as, uh, Snowy Kilmore, Snowy Kyneton, um, Slammy Kyneton in one. He, they just don't seem to be able to get his nickname. And you need that, don't you? If, you, if you're going to be a gangster, you need a good nickname. Yeah, it needs to stick. It needs to be there that people just know and not disrespected by calling it something else. Though. Take but also, my, my name is Ryan. I'm Roy Malloy. I mean, it's me, Evil Knievel, Ronald McDonald, and I'm, I'm in good company. But when Arthur you- MacArthur from Hey Dad. Arthur MacArthur. I forgot, oh, I forgot about Max. Google that. But um, it's uh, a <laughs> we're, we're talking some serious uh, street cred with a, a nickname. But we're going to be talking today a little bit about Snowy Cutmore because he is the fellow who shot dead Squizzy Taylor in a pistol fight, which also claimed the life of, Squiz, uh, of Snowy. They shot each other to death in the same room on the 27th of October in 1927. So this podcast will be aired on the 27th of October in memory but this is the podcast about snowy cutmore so snowy cutmore himself was a crook and he was he was that kind of bloke who just he he never betrayed the public by giving into the temptation to do anything honestly he always stole he always just did the wrong thing but when he did he also managed to then get in the ear of whoever had done it and he'd scare them so badly that they wouldn't dob on him either, right? So he'd do the wrong thing, but then you could never get a, a witness to testify. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So yeah, we're talking what's about... The, what, what, Say again? What's more frightening than having a five-foot-one man threaten you? <laughs> well, we're now talking about Snowy Cutmore, and I believe his height probably comes in at about five foot seven or eight. He's probably about Shane Gordon's height. However, that you're just, you're just behind your time, Shane. That was a normal height back then. There's a fellow called Long Harry in the same time, same period. And he's a rival to both these guys. Long Harry is called Long Harry Maxwell because. Huge penis. One, <laughs> one would imagine one. He's tall, but he's only five foot nine. So a tall guy, you are in. I'm in. I'm Long Max. <laughs> so Mr. Long Nats, uh, you, you are, as the name goes, we're now talking about 1917. And to give you context, two years later, the Fitzroy Vendetta erupts where every crook wants to shoot each other from cars. But two years earlier, Snowy ends up going to a party with another guy. And he attends this party. And what I love about these newspaper articles that I'm, I'm researching this from is that they don't just tell you the story because something horrific happens. They also name the actual names and personal home addresses of almost every person. So it's a, yeah. So it says, this is a newspaper article. On the 3rd of July, Mr. Snowy Cutmore was 
went to a sing-along party given by Etty Jones at 237 Fitzroy Street. It gives her address, right? So then he's standing there and he, he, he just kind of, I believe the way this has gone down, he's just met a guy and he said, where are you going? And he blows into this party with him, right? So this guy, he, and it says, together, they go to 209 Nicholson Street to a mate's place. They give a second address. And then they, like, it keeps going through this day and it progresses and it gives the address of every person in the story. So it goes, they end up at this party and uh, they're hanging out together. And he, he's with two other guys called Ray and Henry Dunn, D-U-N-N-E. I think they're father and son. So together, Snowy and his mate, a guy called Walter Johnson, and the Duns, they leave this party around 2 a.m. And they're walking across uh, Nicholson Street. And all of a sudden, Johnson is laying on the floor with a bullet in him. No one is nearby. The police put adverts in the newspaper to find the Duns. And what do they say, Maxwell? Uh, epic night on the beers. Can't remember. Had a few kick-ons. Absolutely correct. Um, and uh, we've lost one of our mates in the um, spiritual sense. Well, he's still alive. So, and one of them runs and gets a copper who's not far away. And he comes, they find him kind of slumped over. And they take him off to uh, hospital where he dies, this guy. But the coroner comes out and says, there is a conspiracy of silence. And even the newspaper names about half a dozen people from that night who all saw exactly nothing. So this is the kind of context you find Snowy Cutmore in. The newspaper keeps saying to them, do you know a guy called Snowy Cutmore? Oh, no. Oh, no. Now, Maxwell, how big is your lounge room? Uh, um, wait, you guys have a lounge room? <laughs> how big is the back of your van by the river? Oh, <laughs> uh, uh Good uh, three square metres. And Shane, how big is Shane is a personal trainer. And every time I'm on Zoom with Shane, I realise there's no, no furniture at all in the backdrop of his lounge room because he personal trains there. In your chairless room, if, you, if either of you had 11 people there with a piano, would you remember every single one of them? 100%. Depends. Are we talking like a casual hangout or like an eyes wide shut party? We're talking a piano party. However, I'm open to masks. <laughs> so the, the, the COVID the kind type? Of, <laughs> the, the bedazzled type. This is the kind of scenario we find. 11 people, one room, one piano, uh, and they don't remember a guy with white, silver white hair, Snowy Cutmore, Kilmore, whatever his name is, right? So <laughs> his, his real name is John Daniel Cutmore. And... He's terrifying. And he's also got one of those kind of sideways looks that, you know, when you really annoyed a psychopath and they kind of shoot you the, the whites of their eyes, that's his default setting. But every time he does something crook, he also has a habit of leaving the state entirely, goes to Sydney. It makes him very hard to catch. So he evades capture for a long, long time. So then on the 9th of February in 1920, is at a restaurant in Elgin Street in Carlton. 
He has a dispute with the waiter, and I presume over one of the normal things. What would you have a dispute with a waiter over, gentlemen? Have you had a dispute with a waiter? Nah, I'm a, I'm a bit of a coward. I hate confrontation. Like, I'll I'll order like a soup, and they'll just bring me like cold bread, and I'm like, yeah, this is great. I mean, calories a calorie. So you're you're both homeless and typical of a 23 year old hates confrontation, uh, snowflake. And uh, Shane, have you ever cha- even on the bill have you ever challenged the waiter? Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when you get to 40, yeah, I don't care anymore. That guy always out the door. But I do Bring know that I do know that when I see a waiter, a I I would think they were Maxwell's age, but b I would also. Even if I really didn't agree, what's the worst you'd do? I mean, one star on Yelp. What's the worst you'd do in a confrontation with a waiter? Probably one star on Google reviews because no yeah. one uses Yelp. Oh my god! So you become <laughs> Karen. You go, you go fully Karen, but that's about it, right? <laughs> Karen. Snowy got into a fist fight with the waiter. I don't know what over, but I do know that Caravaggio, the painter, stabbed a waiter for serving him an artichoke that was too hot. True story. Long story. But Snowy got into a fight with the waiter and got kicked out with the help of the other guests and the waiter. What happened next, Maxwell? I don't know. Probably just straight back to the beers. Straight back with a gun and he shot the waiter. So we're not, we're not talking about a very tolerant guy <laughs> and he's got access to firearms. Now, firearms are very easy to come by. It was easy to get a pistol. And we're talking about a gun called a Webley, W-E-B-L-E-Y. First World War weapon, pretty low caliber, and you can get shot with it and pretty reliably live a lot of the time. <laughs> you get a lot of these guys who get shot and they live because it's not, they're just, anyway. So he shoots the waiter. This is the kind of guy we're dealing with. So that, that was in February of 1920. August of 1920, a group of policemen, and this is a crack team, and they're, they're policemen that each individually should have a movie about them themselves. They're the detective squad in Melbourne. And these are the guys who are busting your squizzy tailored gangsters. They, some of them are, are rumoured to be corrupt, though no really good evidence exists. But we're talking about poorly paid, overworked, but really hard guys, right? Now, we talked about this once in a previous show. If you were one of nine detectives and you were going to an address to arrest a guy who could be armed and dangerous, how would you travel physically from the police headquarters in Russell Street to Carlton? How would you get there? It's pouring with rain. Tram. They did. They all went on the tram together because cop cars weren't easy to get hold of. There's stories of cops arresting people just like this, but they arrive on foot a lot of the time. So when they get there, we're talking about, and I'm going to say their names just because I would love more information about them. Detective Sergeant Sullivan, Detective Detective Rowan, Detective Milne, Plain Clothes, Constable Birch, and Beatty. So they arrived at this house and they find a 23-year-old man (laughs) and his name is Herbert Kipling. All of these names are completely Anglo-Saxon, hey? Like they're all English, Irish, Celtic kind of. And so they get to this house 
This guy's wanted for factory break-ins. So in a factory isn't a big place. It's maybe the size of a normal living room and you have three different desks with women who are sewing together, sometimes by hand, panels of clothing. But he'd whacked off all these women's clothes and he was going to sell them on a barrow. Now, you know, along Flinders Street where the aquarium is, there's all those bridges that kind of the underpass to the train. What used to happen there up until really the 1970s? Do you know? Ooh, maybe that's where the gangsters used to hang out, I would have thought. Since almost its inception, there were markets underneath there. And a lot of the time they sold books, books and secondhand clothes. So during the day, you'd find anything up to 300 hawkers all selling different things. So he was going to sell them under the bridge uh, along Flinders Street. When he got there, when the police got there, they, they kicked the door down. They found this guy. Just so happened that it was at number 50 Barclay Street in Carlton, which was the boarding house owned by Snowy Cupboard's mother. So this guy always had a bed to stay in whenever he came back to town. And he was living with his mother, more or less. So the cops kick down the door and they go in and they do police, don't move kind of thing, you know. And they find in the wardrobe all the all these women's clothes. He's the only person they believe in this house at dawn, 6 a.m. So they grab this guy, they round him up, handcuff him, and they're going to catch the tram with him back to police headquarters. But one of them lights a lantern, one of the cops, with a match. And he's just walking through the house and Snowy Cutmore has heard the noise. He's in a room with a fireplace, which is possibly also the room he was killed in. And he needs to escape. What does he do next? Just a reverse Santa Claus straight up the chimney. You're dead right. <laughs> but you know what actually happens? Chimney's narrow after the fire. And he gets stuck. Standing up the chimney. Finally manages to free his head. Completely covered from the waist up with black ash. No longer snowy. He's now Sooty Cutmore. <laughs> and he gets under the bed and they arrest him. They find him because they hear the noise and they go and they arrest him. And then he has to do what? Do they cancel him for going blackface? <laughs> <laughs> for those of you just joining us, Shane, how would you describe your own self? Um, like a, a dark cup of tea. Dark, I was going to go coffee. Dash of milk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mochaccino. Let's go mocha. My dark-skinned friend with crinkly hair, Shane Gordon, is uh, – so we can't say those jokes. We can't, we can't make those jokes, Maxwell and me, because we're, we're a skippy guilo as they come. But Snowy Cutmore was even more so along that spectrum, and he's now covered in ash on the tram, heading back to police headquarters with the police. Snowy Cutmore became one of the more infamous villains in the history of Australian crime. And he went on to be the man who shot equally, arguably horrific psychopath, Squizzy Taylor. You've been listening to The Dawn of Crime, which is a podcast that we've enjoyed presenting to you today. I want to thank Shane Gordon and Maxwell Robin for joining us. If you've enjoyed this, also check out the Dawn of Crime book series which you can find on Google by Googling Dawn of Crime and Roy Malloy. 
or head over to Facebook and like my page. And do remember to give a whole bunch of stars and a review to this show if you can and help support the arts. Thank you for coming, Shane. No worries, Roy. And thank you for coming, Maxwell. Anytime. I am, I'm, I've got a free schedule. And you, Kobe. <laughs>